are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Susie is helping big enterprise brands like Procter & Gamble at Gillette do market research. They've got over 400 customers paying an average of $150,000 a year at just past a $60 million AR run rate, call it this week, this month, up from $40 million just a year ago up and passing about $20 million back in 2020. So really healthy growth rate. Uh, they did burn $25 million net burn last a year, but obviously that was the heyday. Now they've recorrected things. They've got plenty of runway to get through uh, the end of next year and even further where they hope to break a sort of $80, $90, $100 million run rate. Hey, folks, my guest today is Matt Britton. He's the founder and CEO of Suzy and best-selling author of Youth Nation. Matt, you ready to take it to the top? You got it. All right. Now, you're a regular, man. I, I feel like I, I had you on back, uh, gosh, for the first time in early 2020 and then another time in 2021. And your story is unique in that I think you had your own agency that you sold before you went into your SaaS. Is that accurate? Yeah, we incubated what became known as Susie Lay while still running my agency, MRY. The agency was acquired, but we had spun out the software company before the agency was acquired. And then after my earnout ended at the agency, I rejoined as CEO. Uh, back then it was called CrowdTap, rebranded as Susie, and we launched in 2018. So that's amazing. So talk about what you're working on today and sort of maybe give an example of how customers are using you guys live. Yeah, so Suzy is a consumer insight software platform that's used primarily by large enterprises. Uh, we Our ideal customer profile is what we call super enterprises, a company that do over $5 billion a year in revenue. We primarily focus on uh, technology, uh, food and beverage, packaged goods, financial services companies in, in, those, uh, in that overall revenue tier. And what Suzy provides is essentially an a on-demand platform that allows these companies to talk to their target consumer and gain feedback quantitatively and qualitatively in a really rigorous form to allow them to make critical business decisions throughout the product development life cycle. So whether it's early on figuring out what product to launch or what should the packaging look like or what should we call it or what should the pricing be or what should the advertising be, at every single stage when these large companies launch a new product, there's decisions that have to be made. And we have built with Suzy a research tool that allows them to run those decisions by the consumers that matter so they can be more empowered in ultimately making those decisions and increasing their chance of success. Now, there's a lot of research tools sort of in this space, whether you're a software company wanting to test a new flow or a yep. toothbrush company wanting to test the bristle strength on a new toothbrush, right? What's yep. interesting, though, about Suzy is you are you are vertically integrated here. You actually own a platform that users engage on actively, and then that's how you collect some of these survey-based feedback. When we last spoke, these gamified apps you told me had between 50 and 100,000 uh, monthly active users on them. What's that number look like today? Has it grown? Um, we haven't even focused as much on quantity, and you're talking about our CrowdTap consumer panel, um, which we have a million registered users on, and on a monthly basis, you are correct, it's anywhere between 50 and 100,000. Our focus has really been on the quality of those users. One of the big problems we're solving with online market research is there's a lot of fraud and spam. So when people try to buy um, an audience to respond to a survey from a programmatic audience provider, what they often find is it's a lot of bots that are answering the questions. So our focus on the audience size has been less about building more quantity of audience because as long as we have a diversified network of people that deliver on the demands of our customers, we don't need to add more people, right? But we need to make sure that 
that they are people and they're well-intentioned and they're providing the right answers. And that's really been our focus. We've actually have a patent pending for a product called Biotic, which is essentially a spam and bot uh, detection tool that's built within our audience. And with that, we have the highest quality audience in the industry. And quality is really the only thing that matters in online market research. Yeah, guys. So just to get your heads around Matt's business model, it's the equivalent of like he doesn't own Candy Crush, but it's like if he owned Candy Crush, right? And then Procter and Gamble wanted to get user feedback, he could basically put a survey up after you complete level three of Candy Crush and say, "Hey, we're thinking about a new type of candy. Do you like hard candy or soft candy?" Matt, this is sort of a right, a good example, right? Yeah, exactly. CrowdTap itself is like a game, game, and and the users earn points for answering questions anonymously on behalf of brands. The points are cashed in towards digital rewards and currency. It's exactly how mm-hmm. it works. And then what sits on top of this CrowdTap product is Suzy, which is kind of the sophisticated market research tool that our customer interfaces with to launch these complex research projects. Now, this does obviously have, you know, the vertical integration is an advantage, but it also does hit your margin a bit because I believe 10 to 15% of your monthly expenses go towards paying these consumers to engage in these surveys. Is that true? And is it still 10 to 15%? Yep. It's exactly 10 to 15%. However, we're able to uh, really maintain the overall gross margin profile in the mid to low 70s. So I wouldn't call it, it hits our margin because we're almost like farm to table. Other companies actually have to buy sample, uh, some of our competitors, if they're going to deliver a project for customers from a third party, which is more expensive, where we're actually mining, uh, if you will, our own audience and delivering it directly uh, to the end end customer. So it actually makes us more profitable on a gross margin adjusted basis and also opens up a variety of different features and functionality that other companies can't deliver based on us being vertically integrated. Oh, interesting. So your competitors might put this expense where they have to buy panel data below the line. You're saying they end up paying more than 10 to 15 percent anyway you're just putting it above the line that's exactly right yeah really interesting what are i mean name two just to put us in the right space name two of your competitors you think about uh well qualtrics has really set the gold standard for online market research so i would want them as sort of the company when we start it we want to be the next qualtrics the biggest difference being qualtrics started universities who are working their way bottoms up and when we entered the fray Online market research was in a much more mature space, so we did the opposite. We started with large enterprises, and maybe eventually we'll work our way down. So I would call them sort of number one. Number two has always probably been SurveyMonkey, um, okay. just because they they had first mover advantage in the space. They rebranded as Momentive. They've hit a lot of um, you know struggles and headwinds based upon their capital structure and really based upon um, what seems to be struggles they've had with getting into the enterprise and moving up market. But those are probably yeah. be the two companies we look at. And so when we talk about moving to the enterprise, obviously we can look at ARPU as a way to like measure yeah. your ability to go into enterprise. So like, what is the average customer paying per month today? Uh, uh, so 150,000 a year. So I guess it's about 12,000, okay. 13,000 a month. Yeah. I mean, that's up from our interview in 2019 of uh, 60,000 a year. So it's more yeah. than doubled. What's enabled yeah. you to double it? Land and expand. So essentially what we're building at Suzy, which is different than some of the more point solutions who I hadn't mentioned, but companies that just do one thing within market research is that we want to be sort of like a, a, a platform that goes horizontal. So I mentioned that product development lifecycle. When you land a big CPG, you might first start with a company that's testing their advertising or packaging, but then we'll just go to the other departments that aren't using Suzy for research. And as long as there's trust and we're delivering, we just pick off first, you know, going from, uh, you know, brand brand and say Gillette, and they're using us for package testing, we can then use them for ad testing or use them for price testing. And then we could also go from going from Gillette to going to Tide or another brand at Procter & Gamble by way of example. So there's kind of a vertical expansion and a horizontal expansion within an enterprise. And that's what's driving up the average contract value. 
give me more examples of a vertical expansion inside of the Gillette brand at PNG, right? So package testing, ad testing, price testing, what else might they use testing on? Well, I mean, what about new um, products testing yep, four blades that, on the razor instead of you two? You got it. You got it. Innovation is one, is one of the biggest areas. So a company is launching a new product. Is there a demand for the product? Who is the target audience for the product? We also do a lot of uh, merchandising and retail testing in terms of testing in-store displays. Uh, we launched a product called Suzy Home, which actually allows our clients to ship physical products into consumers' homes. So they can try on clothing or try a candy bar and give instant feedback to it. So literally any design, design decision that you make um, in terms of the, a product rolling out, and there's millions of decisions made a day, many of which in the past were just guesses. Susie yep. can be there. And the reason that they would use Susie and maybe not use research in the past is that research traditionally has been done through agencies, which are slow and expensive, where now you essentially have a direct-to-consumer channel to go to the consumer's amount and get instant feedback. Literally, within the same Zoom meeting, answers start flowing in from our audience that can help you reframe your decision or validate, or validate your decision. When I spoke with you last year, you said there was about 200 folks on the team, of which 36 were in sales and 18 actually carried a million-dollar year quota. Where are they, those sales reps, typically landing this deal with Gillette? Is it package testing, ad testing, innovation testing? What's the order of operations of land and expansion? Um, it's a great question. It really varies by category. Um, and you know, Because you have matrix organizations like Google and Microsoft, which aren't as linear as that okay. in terms of how their organization is designed. Um, often, we go earlier in the product development life cycle, so innovation or R&D versus is later, which would be ad testing, but that's just based upon our product roadmap and the initial I tools see. that we had built. But now we have a much more robust feature set as part of our product. So we're going in really across the board. And it's frankly, whoever hires us first, whoever gives us yeah. that shot first, and then we just go the other direction. That's amazing. All right. So how many brands or customers are you working with today? Uh, we have 400 large enterprises okay. that are working with us today. That's good. That's up from 350 when we spoke about uh, 13 months ago. So, yeah. so there are, and, we, are we, and we've shedded a lot of the mid, you know, the mid market smaller businesses. We've just stopped going after because what we've realized is that the, the big TAM is with the agencies and the the market research agencies, and those market research agencies focus on the big super enterprise companies. So we've really yeah. made a decided shift to work, uh, you know, work to go after these large companies where we can really expand our business with. No, it feels like it's working. I mean, 400 customers at $150,000 ACV, that puts you at what, a $57 million run rate as of today? Yeah, closer to 60 at the year. 60. And that's growth. Where were you exactly one year ago? Do you remember? Um, we grew, we're growing about 60% this year, 65%. Okay, so 40 million to 60 million, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. Now you've raised a bunch, right? We have. We've raised uh, about 100 million to date. So how did you, and I think the series, when was the series D? Series D was July of 2021. Yeah, because I think you were very kind when you last came on and you shared that was like a 40 to $50 million round at somewhere around a 400 valuation million, right? Yeah, it was a little less than 400. Fair enough, fair enough. Talk, what are you seeing in markets today? I mean, what do your board meetings sound like when the, you know, the economy starts tanking? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have had a high burn profile over the last couple of years, not because our sales hasn't been efficient, but because we've overinvested. Like, what'd you burn in 2021? Like 10 million? No, I'm closer to 20, 25 million. 20. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, the burn was not coming from our lack of That's sales. That's net, efficiency. right? Correct. Net burn. 
Yeah, yeah not burn. Um, it was it was coming from just overinvestment R and D. Ads peak yeah. R and D was 65 percent of revenue because we had to catch up the Qualtrics, right? If we're selling against yeah. them, we have a, have to have a product. Now you know our product is getting there, and now what we can do is slow down that R and D ramp and let the revenue catch up. So you know next year we expect R and D to only be 30, 30 to thirty five percent of revenue, which is much more in line. And when you do that and you have efficient sales process, that's when you can kind of get burn under. Control. Um, and in that regard, we expect to be cash flow positive fourth quarter next year. Um, so, yep. the answer to your question, what are our board meetings? Are it's when are you going to stop burning capital because we don't want to have to rely on the capital markets to fund our existence anymore in this environment. Um, yeah. You can only really do that if you have an efficient go to market process, right? Um, and you have high gross margins. If you yeah. don't have that, it does. So when the lever you you can pull is R and D expense, right? And you feel like you're just gonna the, the pace of innovation will just slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then you can actually keep your revenue growth, but then drop your opex growth, right? The second that you have to dip into that sales and marketing expense in order to get there, well, yeah, sure, you might slow down your expenses, but then commensurately, you might slow down your revenue, and basically, yep. then you have a company that's not making money and isn't growing. So I think that's what a lot of companies are finding out right now: is where is the burn coming from? Because not all burn is created equal. And a lot of that $20 million, $25 million burn of last year, I think you put towards a new product called Suzy Live. What is this Correct. product? Yeah, so Suzy Live is an example of why we invest in R&D. And Suzy Live is actually an example of an innovation we have that even the best companies in our space don't have, which is we have the ability now to connect quant to qual. So say you are selling dresses and, you, and you're targeting millennial women and you want to know what the dress they like the best, the red, white, or blue dress, right? And say 70% say red. And then we ask them why. And they say, because it makes me feel younger, right? We can actually then take those that subset of the people who like the red dress and say it makes them feel younger and pull them instantly to a Zoom-like interface, just like me and you are talking, and do a live focus group or in-depth interview and ask them why the red dress makes them feel younger and actually have a detailed discussion all within the same workflow. So the ability to connect quant to qual in one workflow is something that traditionally has not been um, accessible or possible in market research, given the fact that most online market research tools do not have their own audience. So they can't keep going back to the same person if they're buying a third-party audience, they'll answer a question. They'll never see that person again. So Suzy Live is really a game changer for us because connecting to quant and qual is kind of the holy grail for enterprise researchers. And it does it in a condensed and efficient form. What's the name of the Qualtrics product that would come closest to Suzy Live? You know, I don't even know. And, and I, don't, I, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about competitors. And I was asked that earlier today. Um, I look at our business metrics in terms of what's our conversion ratio down the funnel? How are we growing year over year? And as long as that's going on the right direction, then I'm more focused on listening to our, our customers and NPS and what they're saying versus trying to chase what a competitor is doing. So, uh, you know, I know that they're a gold standard because they, you know, they had a huge exit um, and, you know, they obviously sort of set the path for us. But that's sort of the extent of which I know about them. Yeah. Um, and I'm much you're more probably, focused on it. You're probably getting approval now right now at board meetings, right? The key for board meeting, obviously, for your 2023 plan. That's what do you right. want to grow revenue at next year? Um, 50 to 60%. Interesting. So, you can, I mean, can you get up to, well, it'd be tough. Could you break 100 million bucks in re- ARR end of we'll, next year? We'll, we'll be in the high 80s to low 90s. Uh, a year from now. And then, you know, in a normal market, that's when you start thinking about an IPO. Who knows where it's going to be? Um, we have enough on our balance sheet now, though, to get through to the other side. 
Um, and then, you know, you, your options really change once you're not burning capital anymore uh, to access the capital markets and fund your, you know, your future growth, um, especially with our sales efficiency. So who knows what, when we'd be able to IPO, I would say likely in the next two to three years, but probably closer than we're at 200 million ARR versus 100. Uh, and definitely not when you saw the SPAC craziness of companies going public at, at 25 or 50 million. Um, Enough on your balance. Yeah, enough on your balance sheet quote to get to the other side. That's what everyone's trying to do right now. What is that for yeah. you? 20, 30, 40 million bucks? That's somewhere in that range, yes. Yeah, fair. So that's a combination of controlling burn and revenue from customers. And also, you probably still have some of that Series D money in the bank. Yeah, we have a good amount of Series D. And it's really just, you know, when when your OPEX growth is outpacing the growth of your revenue, you're going to burn more and more. So what we've done is we've looked at R&D and G&A, the, the two of the three components of our of our OPEX that we're really slowing down. You know, you get general operating leverage in your G&A, meaning you don't need another CFO or CEO, et cetera, given the size of the company. And then R&D, it's, we're really slowing down the R&D hiring because we've gotten more efficient. The product has gotten to a very mature state. So now the revenue growth is outpacing the growth in the R&D. And the only that's, thing that's continuing its growth in the investment is sales and marketing because we have a payback for that. And that's yep, just that a works. very oversimplified way of sort of looking at how do we get through. What's total team size today? 300 people. And how many are engineers? 80. 80 total Sale. between product and engineering. Sales? Sales is about 75. Interesting. Yeah. And, and any more quota carrying reps? There was 18 a year ago. No, we're in the 20s now. I think we have 24, 20s. 25 quota carrying Yeah. Still a million dollar quota? Well, I mean, it's really across the board, but yeah, that's an average amount. It, it goes up based upon tenure. We found that our sellers really grow in productivity with tenure in a very predictable way. Because they're planting seeds each year. Like we're selling ultimately um, vitamins and not Advil. And yep. you know, so we're talking to people about market research, but they might not have a growing need. It's not like we're selling cybersecurity, right? So I'm not going to always jump on the offer, but a year and a half later, they might. So with every year, you know, our sellers kind of accrue these relationships and this pipeline and things come out of nowhere and they start to get more productive just based upon the work they put in over the last couple of years. So you give each of your 24 reps, like what, 10 customers to work with for life and they can track that relationship year over year? Um, so it doesn't, it's not that clean. We have uh, net new sellers who are focused on just winning new customers. And we also have expansion sellers, which work more closely with our customer success team that focused on those large super enterprise clients to do more account-based marketing and, and expansion. So they're kind of two different yep. motions because if you're, if you're a net new seller, you really just have to understand our product, right? But if you're expanding, you actually have to understand the company. And especially if you're already working with them, there's an expectation that you know the company. So those are kind of two different skill sets. So we look at those different. You know, there's really three components, right? You have new expansion and renewal, and we have three different teams each responsible for those components of AR. That makes tons of sense, Matt. We're out of time. Hell of an interview. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one favorite business book. Um, I still love hard thing about hard things. I read it over and over, especially in this environment. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying besides Ben? Well, right now, everyone's looking at what Elon Musk is going to do next. So I don't know how I can have another answer besides that. Um, so he would have to be my answer. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Suzy? Um, I love, I think I mentioned this last time, a tool called Insight Squared, which is a data visualization tool for Salesforce, which has been tremendous for us. And number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven. Okay. And situation, married, single kids? Three kids married. All right. And what are you, 46 or 47 now? 47. 47. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. I would say how important your network is 
and how important it is to kind of mine your network over time and keep in touch with as many people as possible. Because ultimately, when we launched Suzy, the way I got it off the ground was calling the people who I knew that trusted me that would take a chance on our product. So I think always be focused on keeping that network alive and growing over the years. Guys, Suzy, Suzy is helping big enterprise brands like Procter & Gamble at Gillette do market research. They've got over 400 customers paying an average of 150000 bucks a year at just past a $60 million AR run rate, call it this week, this month, up from $40 million just a year ago, up and passing about $20 million back in 2020. So really healthy growth rate. Uh, they did burn $25 million net burn last a year, but obviously that was the heyday. Now they've recorrected things. They've got plenty of runway to get through uh, the end of next year and even further where they hope to break a sort of $80, $90, $100 million run rate. We'll see what happens. Matt, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks so much. Looking forward to being back again.